and welcome back to another episode of the Argus Podcast. This week, we are joined by comedian, impressionist, actress, and all-round performer, Jess Robinson. She's also the host of the award-winning podcast, Stars in Your Ears. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Jess. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. Now, I think I'm right in thinking that you are the first guest on this show that has their own podcast. Yeah! Yeah, an award-winning one at that. Was that one of the few sort of positive things to come out of the pandemic for you? That and living in Hove. I So I'm basically, I moved here in October 2019. I was so, pl- I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to be stuck anywhere else apart from possibly the Bahamas or something. But that came out of lockdown, uh, just, to, you know, just being here, which was wonderful. I landed a role on Spitting Image, which was really exciting. And I started my podcast, uh, which is called Stars in Your Ears, which is a musical impressions podcast, very sort of entertaining, comedy, musical, no politics or anything like that. Everything just very lighthearted and silly. And we won gold at the British Podcast Awards, which was incredible for best entertainment show. And now I'm on the Argus podcast. Whoop, whoop. Things just keep getting better and better. (laughs) We'll talk more about Spitting Image and and the podcast later on. But just sort of going back to the start, you were born and raised in and around London and Hertfordshire, is that right? That's right. So all my family live in North London and Hertfordshire. But when I told my mum that I was moving to Brighton, she was actually really pleased because it turns out that my grandpa came from here. And um, I think his aunties had a little shop on the lanes, a little jewellery shop. Yeah, so I've got I've got some Brighton roots as well, but just quite far back. <laughs> Did you have an especially musical or performing household growing up? Yes. Yes, I did. My mum plays the piano and uh, teaches piano and played the organ in the local village church, even though we're Jewish. Just wanted to know what was going on in every building in the village, I think. My sister played the flute. My other sister played the oboe. My grandpa was a jazz pianist. My grandma went to the Royal Academy of Music. I mean, yeah, everybody Everybody in the family's a musical show-off. You mentioned your grandfather. Am I right in thinking he performed on the variety circuit with and for some pretty famous names? Yes, he's performed for the Queen. He performed with Morecambe and Wise. Yeah, he he uh, he started off doing impressions of other pianists randomly. So he did sort of piano impressions, and then I started doing vocal impressions. <laughs> I'm guessing you picked up some tips and tricks from him. Yeah, I guess I did. I mean, never say no. Always say yes to every gig. Although I'm, I'm having to not do that too much anymore. Otherwise, I'd dub a book myself. But yeah, he was always extremely positive funny a sunny outlook and uh, it's much easier to have a sunny outlook when you're living in Brighton than when you're living in North Finchley that is for sure well I was going to ask next about moving to Hove and stuff what made you move down here and how has it been I suppose since since making the move so I moved here because this is where my husband lived um lives well he lives with me he was here and he's got a, a son. So I've now got a stepson um, who lives around the corner for us. Uh, so that was that was the reason I came to Brighton and Hove. And I thank God every day that he didn't live in Croydon. So <laughs> 
So that was the reason. And being here, I just find it so different to living in London. Everybody's friendly and I feel like I could li- I could literally walk down the street dressed as a clown and no one would look twice. Everyone's so accepting. So I really love that. During lockdown, I got a dog uh, and named him Brian after my dad. We, I, I met some, you know, some other dog walkers in the park and started a little WhatsApp group, which has now grown to over 50 members. And th- this time last year, well, last, last September 2021, um, we put on a dog show in Adelaide Crescent, which I ended up hosting. And it's, you know, now just got this community, which just would not have happened in London. It's just, I just love how friendly everybody is and accepting. I feel like it'd be rude for me not to ask what sort of dog it is. He's a cockapoo. Uh, He's called Brian and he is an absolute wally. Prior to performing, I'm, I've, yeah. I've read that you've had a whole host of different jobs from sort of waitressing and call centres and working with children with special needs. How was that beforehand and how did that kind of shape you to, to where you are now, I suppose? I am a terrible waitress. I only lasted three weeks. I'm very good at doing uh, tele sales, but only if it's something that I actually believe in. But I, I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. I'm so glad because I think it's just... I've never I've never done something where I've had to sell to the public, thankfully. I really loved working with kids who had special needs and I really loved teaching singing as well. I used to teach singing to kids, but it was particularly brilliant working in uh, special needs schools because I was, I don't know, between the age of 20 and 28, I was just striving to be an actor and get well known and all sort of very self-centered and focused on myself and actually to do something that gives back and you see people who are struggling every day just to I don't know just to walk or to swallow properly or you know it really puts your feet on the ground and makes you just a little bit more humble and to realize that you know whether you're famous or not is really not something worth worrying about. I don't know whether it was whether it be alongside those jobs, but I'm guessing you did the kind of circuits and shows and everything before mm-hmm. making it. Yeah. Was that hard graft or did you enjoy the build up to where you are now? I think I am, am a quite an anxious person sometimes. So I found it, there were, oh, I, like anything, there were really fun times and there were huge disappointments and there have been a lot of laughs. And yet it's been hard, hard work. There have been times when I've created a show and literally only my mum, dad and a random bloke called Brian turned up, (laughs) who now comes to all of my shows. It's a bit weird. But yeah, so there there have been times when there have been no one in the audience and there's been other times when lots of people have turned up and it's been incredible. But yeah, it's been really hard work. But it has, yeah, shaped me for sure. Did you perform much in and around Sussex in those times in the early days? Yeah, I did actually. I did a panto in Crawley. I've been in a panto in Tunbridge Wells. I like a bit of panto. I was uh, played a, a role in a play called Little Voice, which is about a girl who can imitate all of these different singers from Judy Garland doing somewhere over the rainbow to Shirley Bassey doing Goldfinger and all of those sort of things. And we went on tour. Um, we were in Tunbridge Wells. We were in the Theatre Royal in Brighton. We were all over the place. And uh, Chichester, I, I loved it. I loved being on tour and being around these places. When did you start 
narrowing down in on sort of singing impressions, that type of performing? Or has that always been your thing? When I was 18, I'd, le- I'd left school and I was working in a shop on Oxford Street in the stockroom, hanging and tagging, is what they called it. And um, this little voice, this role of little voice came up and I was so desperate to get out of that stockroom that I lied to the director and said, I'm brilliant at impressioners, please can I audition? And they said, yeah, you've got five days to learn the part and, and all of that. And I was so determined that I did, but I never meant to be an impressionist at all. I just didn't want to do the day job anymore. So <laughs> I basically lied my way into it. Goodness knows how many years later I'm still, I feel like I'm still blagging it. <laughs> I was going to ask, did you have a big break or was it was that the case of just finding your way in there? I feel like I'm still waiting for my big break, if if I'm honest, Christian. Definitely. No, I, I feel like I'm sort of still plugging away, climbing the ladder slowly but surely. And there are way, people way, way, way ahead of me. Um, there are still things that I am, you know, would love to do. I'd love to have my own Saturday night TV show. I'd, there's so much I want to do. But uh, yeah, I'm getting there. It's, it's fun. The journey is fun. And I have to remember that it's good to stop and smell the roses sometime and, and, you know, look back down the path to where you've come from, for sure. What do you classify yourself as? Are you a singer, a comedian, an impressionist or just an all round performer? That is a good question. I guess a singer. No. An actress. No. An impressionist. A plonker. I'm going to say I'm an impressionist. That's what I do. I am an impressionist today. <laughs> and if you don't mind talking me through Britain's Got Talent, oh. you made it to the semi-final and came fifth place. Yeah. yeah. What was that whole experience like doing that kind of show? To be honest, it was terrifying. So I had already been working as an actor and, and doing voiceovers and like little bit parts and impression shows and things like that. And they had approached me six or seven years running to come on the show. And I'd always said, no, I've got to do it the old fashioned way or whatever. Um, and then I finally gave in and said, okay. And they said, don't worry, you know, you will be really collaborative. You can do what you like. And then when it came down to it, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed really to do what I wanted. And I, it was very prescriptive and I had to do this act that they had come up with and then got criticized for it, even though you were just doing what they told you to do and all of that sort of stuff. But you know, it, so that was a it was a hard lesson to rem- you know realize, and that I had been a little bit naive, and that they're still making their you know TV entertainment show, and that's what it's all about. But it did allow me to grow an audience and to be able to take my show on a first tour, and so for that, it was it was definitely worth it. But it's a double edged sword for sure. It's it was. Uh, really 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 hard and upsetting sometimes and other times it was amazing in that first audition which has tens of millions of views online you said in it yourself that you were very nervous do you still get nervous before performing anywhere no not well yes I do but not like that and actually I still think to myself uh, my manager said to me at the time Jess whatever you do after this nothing will ever be as hard as Britain's Got Talent. And it's so true. Like literally before I went on stage, the I could hear the buzzers eh, 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 going off. And um, and I was thinking, God, my reputation's on the line because I'm already working at this. If I mess it up, that's going to be, it might stop me from getting more work, you know, have the reverse effect. So it, it was really 
terrifying to hear a thousand people shouting off, 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 off to the person, you know, before you. And I was thinking, oh my God, what have I done? What am I going out to? And I just went to pieces and I felt um, really stupid for being so nervous as well because I was a you know professional and I really like that that haunts me (laughs) it really haunts me well whether it was exactly what you wanted to do or not you got a standing ovation from that first audition what was that feeling like it was amazing it was a bit like an out-of-body experience actually it was uh I could see it happening and I knew that I was pleased with it but I also sort of felt numb at the same time because I couldn't really believe it it's a weird 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 experience was there ever a temptation to go on just as a singer and singing as yourself as you do have an incredible voice just stand alone oh thank you there no there wasn't but I do love singing. It brings me such joy. Singing with my band or just, I just love it. That's the thing that I feel that comes most easily and most naturally to me. And one of the things that I'm best at, but it's not the thing I'm most successful at. The thing I'm most successful at is the impressions. And then people are then surprised that I can sing so well as well. So it's interesting, isn't it? I'm, but I'm steering into the impressions for sure. And then I can delight and surprise people with my singing. <laughs> I think everyone has somebody they think they can do impressions of. But for you, are there are there different mannerisms or accents or types of people who you find easier to mimic? Yeah. Well, it's easy. It's, it's easier to tell you who I can't do. I can't do men apart from Joe Pasquale. I can't do any blokes because their voices are too low. And I, I just can't. I can't. I can't get that register in my voice. I've never been able to. Um, I think it's just a bit physically impossible for me. And I also can't do singers like Nina Simone because she's got such a low, beautiful tone. I'd love to be able to do her, but I can't get my voice in the right sort of low tone for her. Whereas Kate Bush, out on the wind is easy because my voice is sort of naturally high and um, I, want, I still want to be Kate Bush when I grow up. <laughs> You've done, like you say, you've done voices of everyone. Do you have a favourite person? It depends on the day of the week. I really love Britney. Um, Oh, baby, baby, how was I supposed to know? I love her. I love, um, do you know, I love Cheryl. I just think she's amazing. And um, oh, Stacey Solomon, one of my favourites. Oh, my God, I just love her. Um, There are lots of people that I really, I think I enjoy doing people that I like. I don't think I'm one of those impressionists that is just here to take the mickey out of. Well, I do take the mickey, but not not in a nasty way. I don't think I'm a cruel impressionist. I'll tell you who I do love a lot, though. It's Natalie Cassidy, Sonia from EastEnders. I d- it's sat now with her. I do push it to the extreme. I know she doesn't really sound like this. It's a massive caricature, but it's fun. She's turned into a whole comedy character. For people looking to get better at impressions and so on, is it a case of listening and watching that person over and over as much as possible? Or are there tips and tricks that you can share to help? I would say there are four or five main things. You've got to first of all decide how high or or low their voice is, the pitch of their voice in connection with yours. Is it much higher, much lower, about the same? Have they got a voice that's sort of in the throat or is it a bit more nasal or is it breathy voice or, you know, and then look at the accent as well. Where do they come from? Are they like American, like Kim Kardashian or whatever? Or, you know, are they a bit sort of estuary like Janet Strait Poulter 
or <laughs> are they like Greta Thunberg from a completely different country? You know, um, I that was sort of a bit Iceland and Finland and, and all of the lands. Then you look at, you know, the mannerisms and are there any things that they often say or, you know, little ticks, little vocal ticks or um, like with Olivia Coleman. Oh, gosh, I love her. Oh, I find she does oh, quite a lot. And that really quite helps me, uh, you know, get into her. Oh, gosh, oh, just little things like that. Or is there a certain way they laugh like Adele laughs like she laughs like an absolute drain? And I love it when she goes. <laughs> so it's those little things that you can pick up on. Is there anyone that you haven't done an impression of that you're training to do or you'd like to do in the future? Yes. Now, who is it that I want to get really good at? Taylor Swift would be a really great one. And I'd like to get a really decent Ariana Grande. Sometimes sometimes it's quite difficult with the singers that are out there at the moment because a lot of their voices aren't that distinctive. Like you would know Judy Garland as soon as you heard her or uh, or Britney or Christina Aguilera or whatever, you, you just know them. Whereas some of these singers at the moment all sort of sound really similar and it's hard to find a hook or something that can really get you into it. So, yeah, it's getting more difficult. I miss Amy Winehouse. <laughs> Moving on to your podcast, what made you decide to launch it and, and do it? You have a lot of talent and your band is, is fantastic, but... Was it just a case of just throwing yourself at it and committing to it? I had always wanted to make my own podcast and I've always wanted to have my own show, or my own radio show, my own TV show. And I thought, well, what am I waiting for? Because, you know, I can't just wait for these things to fall into my lap. Was lockdown and my band, who are always, you know, so busy with all sorts of different projects and things, were all stuck at home. And it was time. My lovely, my lovely dad died. I wanted something to throw myself into. And I thought he would hate for me to be sitting around in tears, grieving. He would want me to throw my energy into something positive. And I think he would be so proud. Proud of what we've achieved and he would love the podcast he'd just love it he had such a silly sense of humor I guess it was a little way of honoring him to just get on and throw myself into something and also um because my dad had died my band couldn't refuse so it was the perfect time really <laughs> It's a very, very unique podcast and you've had some great guests on it. Are there any kind of favourite moments or favourite guests that you've had? Yeah, I really loved teaching Ramesh Ranganathan how to do Sonia from EastEnders. Gareth Malone, choir master, teaching him to do a Kim Kardashian impression was really fun. Oh, and we had Jess Phillips MP on and she is such a laugh. She's so cool. I really have not been starstruck particularly by anyone apart from Adam Buxton, who I love um, and I still have a massive crush on him, um, but don't tell him. Um, but Jess Phillips, I have never felt so excited by someone. She was so dynamic and I and I was amazed, actually, because I'm not particularly into politics. I'm just a frothy idiot. Yeah, she was brilliant and um, I want to be her best friend. I read that during lockdown, you questioned whether performing was really what you wanted to do before being offered the, the spitting image role. Yeah, I was having a big crisis. <laughs> There's a real contrast between emotions and feelings before that and when that offer came in, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was just feeling really despondent. It's not 
like I'm doing this job to earn money so I can go on holiday or I, I'm doing this job to earn money so I can then enjoy my life and do lots of other lovely things that, you know, the job's not for earning money, unfortunately. It's the job is so wrapped up with who you are and it makes you feel good to do it. And it's really not often not about the money and being able to afford nice things, that the nice thing is the job. So when that's taken away, a bit of you and your personality and and what you're getting up for in the morning is taken away and then I guess I was just thinking oh what's what's left who am I what am I doing and also because performing is a bit stressful very stressful sometimes putting on a show or you know all of that that stress has gone as well and you think oh maybe this is quite nice not having the stress or the worry of having to create a new show or worrying about whether any tickets will be sold or whatever. And yeah, I was just having a bit of a, just had a small meltdown, just a small one. We've all been there. We've all been. Yeah, good. Yeah. I think, you know, it was really hard. I think lots of people looked at their lives during lockdown and thought, what am I doing? Who am I? Was the spitting image role the dream role for you? I mean, yeah, it was. It's the pinnacle of an impressionist's career. It it Mm. feels so, it it felt so desperate to be seen for it. And I worked so hard on all of the voices and the audition and things like that. And I really like everything, every fibre of me really wanted it. To get it was just amazing. And it's so fun to work on. The best bit um, has been being in the studio and seeing the puppets and seeing how the puppeteers bring these crazy latex puppets to life. And it is just amazing watching them work. And in, I think it's going to be 2023 now. So next year, there's going to be a live West End version of it. And that is really thrilling because I've always wanted to be in the West End. So finally, I won't be, but my voice will be. So I'm one one step closer. (laughs) Completely off topic. Yeah. Can you explain the term due on for me? (laughs) I was... I was doing uh, a show and everything was going a bit wrong and I was having a little cry and the um, stage manager, she came up to me and she said, um, oh, don't worry, Jess, when I'm like this, my mum always says Jew on. And I went, oh, my God, are you Jewish too? And I thought she was saying, Jew on, we got through the Holocaust, we can get through this. But she meant, are you Jew on your period? Is that why you're emotional? So there we go. So now in my family, I told my family about it. They thought it was hilarious. And now anytime anything goes a bit wrong, like mum will text me and say, I'm five, running five minutes late, due on, or I'm stuck in traffic, oh, due on, or whatever. Don't worry, due on. So that's that's the thing. You've just got to due on in life. Now, for the final part of each episode, we ask guests their favourite things, places, shops, etc. in Sussex in a segment Ooh. we call Five of the Best. So if it's all right if I just take you through those questions? Yeah. If you were going for a coffee and a cake with a friend Mm. from out of town, where would you take them in Sussex? I would take them to the Flower Pot Bakery on the seafront, or I would take them to Six in Hove. The Flower Pot Bakery does really, really, really yummy toasties and... Six does some really delicious pancakes, always nice coffee, and can take the dog to both of them. Brian can come. So it's all good with me. 
Oh, and actually Salvage is really nice. Salvage Cafe on Western Road next to Tesco's does the most yummy apple cake you've ever had in your whole life. And it's all sort of cozy and got all sort of old old antiques. And it's like, it basically looks like a junk shop in there and it's got fairy lights and it's, yes, great. What is the best shop in Sussex in your opinion? Oh, that is a hard one. It might have to be in Brighton. I'm narrowing it down. I'm narrowing it down to Pretty Essential. Pretty Essential is, I think it's on North Lane, and it's a boutique that sells beautiful beaded dresses and beautiful things. If you ever need to go to a wedding or a posh do, then go there and you'll get a beautiful sort of feathery shawl to wear. No, stole, not a shawl. That's a group of fish. A group of <laughs> feathery stole and a beautiful beaded dress and you'll look like something out of a 1940s glamorous Hollywood movie. <laughs> this one's a bit different for you, actually, but whether it's for a concert or comedy or theatre, have you got a favourite venue around? Yes, I am supporting the Old Market Theatre. They are so lovely there. They have some great things on. I saw Adam Buxton there, Richard Herring. My show was there. The staff are so lovely. I wholeheartedly recommend the Old Market Theatre. They've got great cabaret and comedy and all sorts of stuff there. If you're looking to escape the city, have you got a favourite outdoors place you like to visit? Yeah, I like to, I really like Waterhall, actually. I like to go there on, it's a real rewilded old golf course. I like to go there. I love to take the dog to Falmer and then we walk all the way up the hills and end up in Lewis and go to the pub. That's also, so I really like some, I like good dog walks and Stanmer as well. Anywhere that's got a beer at the end of it, I like. And lastly, whether it's for a drink or a sit-down meal, have you got a favourite pub, bar or restaurant in Sussex? Yeah, my favourite restaurant. Again, because I can take Brian, but also it's the most yummy food, is um, Wild Floor. It's on Church Road in Hove. And they have got a really small menu of all just really seasonal foods. It is quite expensive, um, so it's a bit of a treat. but. Honestly, I would say that most things on the menu I have either not particularly heard of or wouldn't necessarily order if I was just going out. And so you order something really unusual. And every time I have never had a bad meal there, it's always the most amazing flavors, beautiful wines, unusual things and a real, real treat. Can't recommend it highly enough. It's just yummy. Fantastic. And very lastly, what can people expect from you in the near future? And where can people listen to the podcast and see you perform? Ooh, well, if you on, I'm available on all podcast platforms. If you find stars in your ears, you will find our latest series. But start from the beginning. It's great. And we've had uh, celebrity guests on. So every episode, I get a real life celebrity on and they are then taught by me to imitate other celebrities. So Jess Phillips, the Labour MP, imitated Theresa May. We had Rachel Paris on from The Mash Report. We've had Adam Buxton singing as Kate Bush. Ellie Taylor from uh, The Pottery Throwdown. All sorts of fabulous celebrities. We've got Judge Rinder coming up next week, who's learning how to imitate Judy Garland. And I'm accompanied by my wonderful live band, Jessington World of Adventures. It's musical comedy. It's joy and escapism and silliness. Uh, So yes, you can find us anywhere you look really stars in your ears and what else have I got coming up oh I'll be going to the Edinburgh Festival 
And I might be doing some previews of a brand new show, which I haven't quite written yet, at the Brighton Festival. So watch this space. I might have to organise that after this podcast recording. And follow me on Twitter and on TikTok and on Instagram, Jess Robinson, and we'll all live happily ever after. <laughs> well, that's everything, Jess. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. It's been a, Having me, Christian. It's been, a pleasure. it's been great. I've loved it. Well, that was good fun, wasn't it? Be sure to keep an eye out for our next episode. But until then, if you know somebody from Sussex with an interesting story to tell, then let us know. You can tweet us your guest suggestions at Brighton Arcus on Twitter or directly to me at Chris underscore Fuller 11 and use the hashtag The Argus Podcast. Or you can email or send us a message on Facebook. And make sure to stay up to date with all the latest news from around Sussex on our website, theargus.co.uk. Until next time.